Good morning and welcome to chapel, everyone. Let's all begin by standing together and singing hymn number 50 in the blue hymnal. Praise the Lord, sing hallelujah. Number 50. Praise the Lord, sing hallelujah. Heavens praise God's name. Praise the Lord, our great creator. All his angels praise proclaim. All his hosts together praise him. moon and stars on high. Praise the Lord, sing. This chapel will be about environmental spirituality, and Kate will share a story with us. But first, Karina and I will read a poem. This is a poem written by V.F. Cordova. God of the fertile fields, she it is who creates, in the light of the sun, in the path of the wind, in the belly of fire, she the mother, 
Diversity is her signature. And there is motion. If something exists, it is in motion. And if there is motion, there is life. And now, because we are all here, we are all alive, let's acknowledge that we are all created in the image of God. And even though we are not all the same, we are still called to work towards peace with each other. So you can pass the peace with the people that are around you. As you make your way back to your seats, I invite you to turn in your blue hymnal to sing number 156, All Things Bright and Beautiful, 156. Titled This World. I would like to write a poem about the world that has in it nothing fancy, but it seems impossible. Whatever the subject, the morning sun glimmers it. The tulip feels the heat and flaps its petals open and becomes a star. The ants bore into the peony bud, and there is the dark prinpick well of sweetness. As for the stones on the beach, forget it, each one could be set in gold. So I tried with my eyes shut, but of course the birds were singing, 
and the aspen trees were shaking the sweetest music out of their leaves. And that was followed by, guess what, a momentous and beautiful silence, as comes to all of us in little earfuls if we're not too hurried to hear it. As for spiders, how the dew hangs in their webs, even if they say nothing, or seem to say nothing. So fancy is the world, who knows, maybe they sing. So fancy is the world, who knows, maybe the stars sing too, and the ants and the peonies and the warm stones. So happy to be where they are on the beach instead of being locked up in gold. I invite you to turn in your blue hymnal once again to number 55, Cantemos al Señor, number 5-5. And we will sing the first verse in Spanish and the second verse in English. Um, I invite you to stand also. <laughs> Psalms 95, verses 1 to 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout loud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great God before all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and he hence formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people his pasture, the flock under his care. I invite you now to turn to another hymn, number 53 in the blue hymnal, 
You can remain seated for this one. Um, God of the earth, the sea, the sky, number 53. Now another poem by Mary Oliver, titled, On Thy Wondrous Works I Will Meditate. All day up and down the shore, the fine points of the waves keep on tapping whatever is there. Scatter of broken clams, empty jingles, old oyster shells thick and castellated that held once the pale jewel of their bodies, such sweet tongue and juice. And who do you think you are sauntering along five feet up in the air? The ocean, a blue fire around your ankles, the sun on your face, on your shoulders, its golden mouth whispering, so it seems, you, you, you. How many mysteries have you seen in your lifetime? How many nets pulled full over the boat's side, each silver body ready or not, falling into submission? How many roses in early summer, uncurling above the pale sands, then falling back in unfathomable willingness. And what can you say? Glory to the rose and the leaf, to the seed, to the silver fish. 
Glory to time and the wild fields, and to joy, and to grief's shock and torpor, its near swoon. Every morning I want to kneel down on the golden cloth of the sand and say some kind of musical thanks for the world that is happening again, another day, from the shawl of wind coming out of the west to the firm green flesh of the melon lately sliced open and eaten, its chill and ample body flavored with mercy. I want to be worthy of what? Glory? Yes, unimaginable glory. O Lord of melons, of mercy, though I am not ready nor worthy, I am climbing toward you. Now I invite you to turn to number 614. In the bulb there is a flower. through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have the same frame of mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God something to exploit. Instead, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a slave. He was born in the image of a human being, and being found in the design of a human being, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God lifted him high and granted freely to him the name above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee would bend in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue consent that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Good morning. <laughs> 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 
My name is Kate Friesen, and I'm a senior English major and environmental science minor. I have always loved going outside. I was one of those kids in school who stopped doing homework and ran to the window at the sign of the first snow in class. I would almost always rather walk to where I'm going than drive. I frequently have dirt under my nails, especially in summer. And yeah, I even do own a bottle of 100 SPF sunscreen for those particularly sunny summer days. When I was growing up, there was a tiny patch of woods, a little past our backyard. I would spend hours there alone or with my friends, no matter the season, eating wild blackberries, watching birds and rabbits and deer, looking for animal tracks in the snow, and keeping tabs on the unfurling drama of new leaves every spring was, and still is, a huge source of joy in my life. I have very fond memories of following my grandpa in the garden as he picked green beans and peas and slipped a handful my way every now and then. And then later on, fighting the rabbits to try and produce my own vegetables in a three by six foot little plot in our backyard. I also grew up in a Christian family, and I now claim Christianity for myself as well. However, while I always enjoyed learning and relating to various Bible stories, I am an English major after all, for me, the rituals of Sunday church don't always tap into my spiritual life as much as other experiences. Of course, I love the music, and I'm often interested in the sermons, but overall, going to church serves a much more social purpose in my life. I do find God in other people, and I do believe that as a community of believers, we need each other, that healthy community models God's kingdom. But when it comes to my own spirituality, I'm most revitalized by the rituals and patterns of earth, of nature, of outside. Spirituality has always been a vague term to me. I even looked up the word before I wrote this as I've heard so many interpretations and definitions that it was hard to know exactly where to go with the word. The definition I found was that a spiritual thing relates to the spirit, of course, or the soul of a person as opposed to material things. Well, no wonder this doesn't make sense to me. When something affects my spirit, it affects my body as well. And perhaps this is why I search for my humanity, my spirit, my soul, in humus and soil. After all, I'm convinced it's no accident that the words human, humus, humility, and yes, even humor, all stem from the same Latin root word. Digging around in the soil, of course, isn't just a way for me to express my spirituality. Rather, being outside is an enormous way in which I learn how to be spiritual, how to better relate to God and to others, and how to learn how to accept who I am as a human. This perhaps was best exemplified the summer after my sophomore year here at Goshen. In April of my sophomore year, my mother died after a three year struggle of breast cancer. After coming back in May term to finish my classes, I left the Midwest and I returned to a small three acre plot of land in the semi-desert of rural Southern Idaho. 
I went to work for a community-supported agriculture program that my cousin ran on his family farm. There is a picture of one of the acres that would go through weeding. And there's a picture of another acre. You can see tomatoes in the very far back and some lettuces up front. Basically, this meant that for seven hours a day, every day, I was alone, and I spent my time planting and weeding and watering and pruning and harvesting all sorts of vegetables, watching weasels and mice and trying to piece together a very broken faith. This was hard work. I didn't know how to express my spirituality when I was so angry and so tired and so sad. So, I watched. I tried everything I could to help things grow, to help things continue to live, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, but normally it just happened no matter what I did, it seemed. I saw over and over again the cycles that life offers, insists upon, really. I witnessed again and again the miracle of strawberries, of fresh green beans and peas, of eggs hatching into chicks, and chicks growing into chickens, and then the wonder of a delicious chicken dinner on a Sunday afternoon. I went hiking with my cousins throughout the summer, and I saw wildflowers blossom and die back. I lived very slowly. And in living these cycles, in deeply experiencing the struggle of all living things, I felt a solidarity and a comfort greater than any amount of religious cliches that I had heard ever provided me. I rediscovered how through a deep and healthy embodiment, I could feel a sense of healing, and I was energized to begin the long continuing journey that is grief. While my mother's death felt to me like a life cycle that had been cut off prematurely, over the summer, I was fortunate to witness hundreds of life cycles in progress. Life cycles of people and of cattle, of tomato plants, and even of aphids. That summer, I witnessed over and over how complex and unfair life is, and how strong and beautiful and joyful life is. I felt like my experience, my story, was part of a bigger story that I shared with the plants and the creatures in the garden, with my cousins on the farm and my family back at home, with my peers and all of their internships and other jobs, with my community and with the world, as big as that seems. To me, that is spirituality. It is one that is modeled on my environment and expressed through my body. It's a spirituality with room enough to go through its own cycles of doubt, of growth, of drought, and of fruitfulness. Now, I don't think you have to go here to express that type of spirituality, although I'm not going to lie, it is helpful, and you all probably should at some point in your life, but the environment isn't just out west in the wilderness of Idaho. It's not just in my backyard growing up. And unfortunately, it's not just summer. Cities are environments, 
Suburbs are environments. Downtown Goshen is an environment, and our campus here is too. And I would even argue that our never-ending winter is an environment that can teach us a thing or two about what it means to be spiritual, if not at least patient. However, in a winter like this, connecting spirituality and the environment isn't always as easy as it is when it's warm and sunny and May term, or as it is when we're in a place that feels like home to us. I think no matter where we are though, recognizing the cycles we're a part of and how these cycles affect our faith, our worship of God, or our understanding of the world is a necessary part of what it means to be human. Transitioning from my summer in Idaho to SST in Morocco, fall of my junior year, and then back to Goshen wasn't easy, to say the least. I put a lot of energy into looking for those life cycles wherever I was. I tried, and I continue to try, to get outside as much as possible, to learn from those around me, and to look for animal tracks in mud and snow. I keep a weather journal, writing about wind and sun and clouds every day to try and help me pay more attention to my surroundings. I still prefer walking to driving, and I feel a sense of accomplishment when I have to clean dirt out from under my fingernails, even though that's kind of gross. I'm not suggesting that you take on these habits, too, in order to manifest some type of organic, free-range, non-GMO spirituality. However, wherever, whether you are Christian, or Muslim, or Buddhist, or agnostic, or atheist, or apathetic, or anywhere in between, I do suggest paying attention to how you experience your own spirituality, be it through nature, through people, through reading sacred texts or good books, through going on a long run, or playing baseball, or basketball, or going bowling. College doesn't always allow for hours upon hours of sitting around thinking about how to best experience and express one's spirituality, though I suppose it depends on your major. <laughs> Nonetheless, through paying attention to our surroundings, through engaging with the world around us, and through recognizing the cycles that we're a part of, I think we can better connect with each other and with God. So today, our wonderful chapel planners have set up an opportunity for us to do that. Behind me, you see little bowls that have seeds of different culinary herbs in them. And during our next song, we invite you to come up and take a seed and plant it. So I mean, you really don't have to dig too deep in there. You can just kind of drop it in. But you're welcome to pick whichever you would like and engage in another type of life cycle. Thank you.
God of the fertile fields, how many are your works? In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creations. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they're satisfied with good things. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. We will sing. We will sing to you all our lives. We will sing praise to you as long as we live. Go in peace. <laughs>